Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Change in the Climate podcast. Of course, as you know, this show is brought to you by Climate Change Realty, the only real estate brokerage that donates 50% of its commissions to nonprofits dedicated to fighting climate change. If you are looking to create climate action on your next real estate transaction, all you have to do is visit ccrealty.org, and we will find you an agent in your area who's willing to offer 50% of their commissions to help save the planet. Now let's dive into the podcast. Mama Shu. Really nice to meet you. Thank you so much for taking some time to come on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Sure, Ethan. Thank you for the invitation. I'm excited. Yeah, you're very welcome. I'm excited too. I I love what you're doing. Like I was saying just before the show started, I really respect people who take like community leadership positions. I think that's so important now more more than ever before. And you know, we always like to get this show started with some background on who you are and how you got to be doing what you're doing at the current moment. Okay. So just some little background stuff, even before the village village got really intense. Um, I was administrator for a school for 27 years, actually. I worked for Detroit Public Schools and also charter schools. Um, I am a former housing commissioner here. I was a reserve police officer for six years. Um, The first lady chaplain in the history of Highland Park um, on the force. I was a charter commission, commissioned for three years to rewrite the charter for Highland Park uh, City. Um, I'm also right now, um, I was appointed by the governor uh, on a commission for community action and economic opportunity. And, uh, you know, those are just some of the things that I I do in the community. I'm a mother, uh, a community activist, and just here to serve the community and to make things better. And so this is what I'm just doing. And so on every level, even whether it was municipal or whether it was uh, in an organization, I've been involved in something that, to me, would help my uh, city and help me serve my city. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, am, I, am I correct that were your parents in, in the police force? Is that right? Or am I thinking of something else? No, they weren't. No, they weren't. But as a, as a young child uh, growing up, I was always involved in and I was always the one that organized stuff in the neighborhoods with even like the teenagers and stuff when we were little. Um, or younger. And so it just kind of, you know, led on into high school. And I was just always, you know how they always had that one person that, you know, a couple of people that, hey, they just doing some stuff and organize and say, hey, we should do this and that. I was that one, Ethan. Yeah. (laughs) I I, I was... I was that one in high school, too. I always thought it was the most fun to be the person who kind of organize the event and not it's not even about like being at the event or being at the party and being like the one that everyone's looking at it's about organizing something and then looking around and then seeing what you've created and seeing everyone else enjoying it am i right that you kind of are like that same way yes yes i'm sorry somebody walked in but we're good now <laughs> my mama bought yeah no we're good <laughs> yeah okay we're chilling yeah you you're the matriarch. It's probably hard to take you away from something for like an hour. There's probably so many people like coming to you trying to ask you to do different things, right? Yeah, she didn't know. She didn't know, though. You know, I would use everybody else is kind of a way, but she usually comes and says uh, hello. She has a super science at uh, super science classes down for the youth ages one and a half to um, 11 years old and teaches them all kinds of cool scientific stuff, STEM stuff. So anyway, so she just came to say hello. <laughs> Thank you for that, though. <laughs> Yeah, 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 no worries at all. Yeah, and you're you're a native to Detroit Highland Park, right? Yes, I was born in Highland Park and uh, grew up and went to school in Detroit, uh, went to high school and uh, junior high and all of that. I did do that. Um, and so now uh, I'm here 
in Highland Park, uh, started doing business um, and had a business on the other side of Woodward Avenue. And then um, just kind of saw this place, uh, this, this block, Avalon Street. It was terribly blighted. Uh, and I used to ride back and forth and look at it. And it's just so funny how people ride back and forth and look at blight. And some people decide to do something and some people don't, obviously, you know. And I was like, wow. I said, that block right there looked like don't nobody care about it or anything. I said, I'm going to go over there and just go build the village over there. You know, <laughs> that's what I said. I said, I'm going to go over there, move over there. I said, I want to move right there in that corner house. I was eyeing a house and I was going to my school administrator um, job every day, just passing this one uh, block. And I lived on the other side of what on Rhode Island Street. Uh-huh. And so I would see this block, um, Ethan, and uh, my mind would start going like, okay, I can put a homework house here for the children. Our schools was up under emergency management at the time. Um, the library was closed. It was so many things that uh, we didn't have uh, here in the city. And, um, and so I was like, you know what? I want to just compact it all on one block. You yeah. know, how would it be if I just had everything all here and it could be a service uh, to the people eclectic shops um places to study you know uh and, and all of that and so that's where it all began <laughs> just yeah. looking down here looking at this blighted block right well that's where the village the the idea for the avalon village began yeah. i love how you just see something and you come up with a vision and you just pursue it i think it's incredible and yeah. i want to dive deep into the details of how that's working and how it's come along but, but before we go into the specific Av- avalon street i'd really like to know how you've seen the, the city of Detroit or the neighborhood of Highland Park change over the years since you were a kid. Because I've never been to Detroit before. I've only ever heard a couple of things about it. So I'd really love to hear what the city was like when you were a kid versus what it's like now and why do you think it's changed? So so uh, when I was a kid growing up, in, uh, like I said, I was born in Highland Park. I was little and then we moved to Detroit. Growing up in Highland Park for me as a child was... Uh, I had a good time. I did. I thought that it was beautiful. The schools were open. The library was open. I didn't go around uh, Blythe or anything. You know, you had maybe a house or whatever that was abandoned and that was it. And that was just few and far between. And uh, and this is my childhood. It was beautiful on the block. Um, Oh, my God. Downtown was just so full of J.L. Hudson stores. I would go shopping as a little girl down there with my mother sit at Kresge's and have a um, a Sunday. It was just thriving. It was just beautiful at the time. And then it started to decline. And I'm going to say like in the neighborhoods around the 80s, um, the 80s, you know, where a lot of the drugs uh, that I can remember, I was in high school, a lot of the drugs and uh, crack and all of that just kind of really, really took a toll on the block, as specifically in Highland Park. Um, Chrysler moved out, so that changed the tax base of the city, you know, and um, all that. And then I've seen the schools close, you know, one after the other. Public uh, schools? Public, public schools, schools closed? Public schools of Highland Park. Wow. I, yes. The public schools of Highland Park were up under emergency management. I'm actually, Ethan, the president of the Board of Education here, and we're building, we're working to build a high school. We have one school left, Ethan, K through eight, that's up under the district and we're looking to rebuild from all of that and so so now that's actually what we're working on now we're exploring possibilities of a high school now because our high school was tore down so we have all of this just to look at all of this and then specifically see that the schools and places of learning and 
fun and everything and culture and you know things like that was just deteriorating and it was really sad it's really it's just really sad to look at um it looks like uh you know when you especially when you're looking at it in the neighborhoods and you're living in it it is uh it it it, it, it kind of tears you down or whatever if you're not strong and it can looking at this and actually living uh uh around these type of surroundings. So are they closing because there's less tax revenue coming in from less industry being in the area? That part. And then also, uh, there's not a lot of people who live here. The uh, the actual population is oh. diminishing as well. So right now, back in the booming days of Highland Park, and I'm going to say like the 50s, it was up to like 50,000, 55,000 people. The, 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 um, the city is only 2.9 miles. Now we have about 9,900. Mm-hmm. 9,900 right now. Right. According to the last census. But that is the, that is that is the tax base. It's all of that. In order to have public schools, you have to have people here to pay taxes so that all of that can, you know, work. And so right now, uh, it's tough. Right now with the blight and everything, the city owns a lot of the blighted land. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, if it's just sitting there and then nobody's uh, purchasing to be able to, you know, uh, pay property taxes and Live. help to raise the revenues and everything, that's what, um, that's that's part of one of the issues right now. And so hopefully uh, we're working on that with our uh, 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 future administration. Uh, things are, you know, looking to switch up in November. Uh, you know, if we want to look at it that way, but to me or whatever, the power comes from the people, the people who are in the foundation, like the ones that are in the mud and like do the work like we're doing, like this is like, we, we're not waiting on anybody, you know, to, to actually uh, help. Of course. Well, it makes sense that you've seen such a profound change in your community. It sounds like you use the word blight in the opposite direction, which would probably lead you to believe that there's no reason why if one action of a company, for example, you mentioned Chrysler leaving could lead to this blight. There's no reason why community leadership or building something new and beautiful to bring people back could have the exact opposite effect and bring the community back to what it was when you were a kid and when you were talking about going to the malls and the shops and enjoying yourself and yeah, that I I kind of and the motivation makes a lot of sense when you think when you explain the whole story. Yeah, um, it's like recreating a beautiful feeling and a beautiful existence again. It may not be the same that the way that it is, and it won't be. But you know, no. but what I remember when I was growing up in the neighborhood, that's that kind of flavor. That's the kind of thing that I want these children to be able to feel and the people to be able to feel again, and for it to spread and be infectious. When I first started, those were my words. I said, you know what? We need to do this. And hey, you know, maybe somebody will catch on and do a lot or, you know, something next to them or whatever and just go ahead and spread out. But somebody has to work through uh, the uh, the hard parts of it. Definitely. 
Yeah, so I've listened to several of your talks, and one of my favorite quotes that you have is you say that some people look for a beautiful place, which is the idea that you could just, if something's deteriorating, you could just take the easy way out and move somewhere else and just start anew. But you say, some people look for a beautiful place. I choose to make a place look beautiful. And I think that quote really denotes what it means to be a community leader in your area. So I'm wondering, where do you think this this tendency to, to view things that way comes from? Why do you have this strong sense of responsibility? and connection in that community? Well, I'll say this. It's from, to the people that we were raised by, my community of folks that I was raised by, my ancestors, some of my ancestors now, and some of the elders. This is what Mm -hmm. I was taught to basically um, to uh, uplift your neighborhood, to serve the people in your neighborhood, to help out, to make things better. So that right there, Ethan, was just something that was instilled in my head to, to basically do. And I'm talking about as a teenager. This is what, Mm -hmm. so I was around individuals and people who this is the type of work that we are supposed to do, you know, to help our neighborhoods and help our children and our elders. And so that's where it was uh, totally ingrained uh, to actually do. And then I was, uh, I was uh, uh, exposed to some wonderful uh, uh, examples as well. And so it's just a matter of just knowing your place, knowing exactly what you can do, knowing what your energy uh, can actually help to bring about. Um, It is, uh, uh, I know one of the things that uh, uh, you asked us uh, on here, it says about, and I talk about being, it says, what is, where do you think the natural leadership uh, tendencies stem from? Right. My thing is, is that I think that they stem from, you have to be able to, you can't be afraid to take initiative. So basically mine is from, I'm fearless. And that's what I believe. I believe that I'm invincible. And I believe that um, you gotta be that way because this project right here, you got, and, and then the thing about it is you gotta know the quote unquote fear before you even d- dive into it and just still be crazy enough to do it scared. Like, you know, just, and you, and even though you know that you're going to have smoke you know you're gonna have somebody um uh uh uh, trying to block you know you're gonna have this and also you're gonna have unfortunate experiences too if you really really thinking this and you think long term of it of even that even the pain of some things even the difficulty of some things because balance is the key and it's not going to be all blissful and so when a leader knows that but they know that it is worth it they're going to keep moving and they're just going to go ahead and just you know just do the thing, you know. <laughs> Definitely. H- how do you feel while you're doing this work, when you're struggling, when you're trying to bring people together or create something or fix something that's broken? What What do you feel like when you're taking this position as a leader? Uh, uh, sometimes I am, um, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a, I'm, 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 sometimes I'm concerned, but I also, I feel good. I love doing uh, my work. I love doing my work. I do feel responsible a lot of times. I do feel that, okay, and especially from my community, it's almost, and then also being um, a woman developer and all of this, it's like things that come at you, you know, and uh, sometimes it can be frustrating, you know, um, and, uh, uh, you know, sometimes it can make you weary. But the thing about it is, is that just the results is just seeing where you're going. I think it's the vision, the initial vision of the village, actually seeing my work ahead of me. It just made me just like, okay, I see what to do. 
and it's just working backwards, basically. I'm just working, you know, so I see it and I'm just working on a little notch of it every time, like an elephant, just whatever, taking a bite out of it at a time. Absolutely. All right. Tell, tell me about the vision for Avalon Village. I'd love to hear all about it. <laughs> so the vision of Avalon Village, Ethan, was basically to transform uh, uh, one of the most blighted and notorious blocks of um, Highland Park, Michigan, which is Avalon Street, from blight to beauty, to transform it from blight to beauty, to make it beautiful, to show uh, uh, people that we actually deserve beautiful things. We deserve beautiful grass and flowers and libraries and eclectic shops and coffee shops and spaces where we can, um, you know, uh, learn, play, you know, uh, uh, and all of that and relax and be at peace somewhere safe. And so, and also to do it with the green infrastructure. So, uh, uh, and that is with building with solar, um, we uh, geothermal heating and cooling, we recycle shipping containers and we make them into uh, retail spaces. Um, a lot of our work we're building, we have gardens um, around, um, a lot of beautiful green spaces. So that is uh, basically, it's an it's a eco-village in the making. And so even understanding that some of us still, we have furnaces. Uh, there's only six residents on this block. Uh, and when I say this block was one of the wow. most notorious, I'm going to tell you, remember I said I was a reserve police officer for six years. My police chief back then, he was like, you over there, Harris, doing that work over there uh, on Avalon Street. He said, you know, that was one of the most work, the worst blocks in Highland Park. It was this block and it was another block called Pasadena. So that was a lot of uh -huh. crap. And Ethan, there's people, there's a lot of, unfortunately, young men who were caught up in the uh, the drugs and the, whatever, you know, just all of that whole piece that helped the city to deteriorate and also the block. Um, unfortunately, they got killed on this block. And so the, he, he just, he was like, man, he said, you over there like on the worst block period in Highland Park. And I didn't even know that. I didn't know that this was like this notorious. All I knew is that it looked fertile to me and it looked like it just couldn't get no more deader. That's what I said. I was like, you know what? When I looked at it too, Ethan, I'm riding to work to my job, my uh, school job, right? And I'm looking down there just imagining. I did that for like four years, you know, just imagine like, you know what? What's going on over there? And man, I swear, I never knew that it was like the worst black people getting killed. But then I started hearing stories. I'm like, whoa. And so, but I just felt drawn to come over here. I really did. And so, boom, came over here and, and purchased the first house for $3,000. And it was six months after my uh, Jacoby Ron, my baby boy got killed. I had a two-year-old that got hit by a car mm -hmm. in 2007. He, he was uh, two years, one month, and six days old. And I remember, now remember I told you I've been watching this, this street because I lived on the other side of Woodward. And I'm like, what's going on over there? Nothing. You know, I'm just looking and everything. For four years, I'm looking at this. And six months after he got killed, this house, this house became available to purchase. And I remember rolling mm -hmm. to work one day on Woodward Avenue. I look down the block and I see a big dumpster in the driveway. Something said, just go ahead, make a left. I made a left, I saw it, and it was a for sale sign. And this was the very first entity that I purchased in, in the village for 3000 bucks. was this um, house mm -hmm. right here. Awesome. 
So you've mentioned that you're reserve police officer. I think you said you were the president of the school board. And you're also a, a minister, is that right? Yes, of 20 years. Yeah. So do you think there was some kind of spiritual connection that brought you to th- to this, you know, you're supposed to take care of the, I really believe in taking, I have a contrarian view where I think people can really be judged by how they treat their worst rather than like maybe their, their weakest. I really believe in treating all people well. And do you think that maybe there was some kind of spiritual thing that drew you to this worst part of the city to be like, this is where we need to start. This is where we need to build a flourishing community where everyone thinks is the last place you would go. You know what I mean? (laughs) Now, you know what? Let me tell you something. You know, Ethan, that wasn't the thought at first. I just came over here like, man, I live right here. I don't want to look at massacres. I don't want to look at black blight. I don't want to look at um, rat's nest. Let me just take one lot at a time. And basically where I was living, I know uh-huh. I didn't want to see that. I knew that it was my birthright to be a, 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 a safe community person, to be able to have beautiful things uh-huh. and everything. And I also felt that because the city was so strapped and apparently was in distress, I just basically tried to make it for myself and others. You know, I'm like, okay, so what can I do with this? And that, and, and so... That is what it was. It was just work. And so now what is turning out, I'm like, whoa, this is like, it's just really unfolding as it unfolds. But really, it was just work. Let me get over here, clean up these lots and stuff. It was grueling too, boy. <laughs> it took nine years yeah. to clean this place up. Nine years. You know, I took a vacant lot at a time. Who was helping you? Was it just you and your family? No, no, no. It was me, the family. There was a uh, 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 volunteers the guys at the um the homeless shelter across the street they have been working with me every year it's transit but they i, I provided jobs for them i had children that come to do um uh, uh make service hours as community service hours my friends that i had to beg all of that it just was years of just getting that stuff done you know and that was just the cleanup it was so much blight on the block and we even have pictures online where you can see like really how it really really looked and so a, a couple of houses got tore down. So Ethan, this is over time. But I think that to answer your question, I'm going to tell you this, okay? Uh, I've been having the village idea like in my mind and been working on it and working on it. But in 2016, when I was like, you know what? I'm doing it. I said, I'm doing it. We do it a Kickstarter to raise money. Like, okay, I'm putting it out there. And I was doing it in up my way it was time to just okay let's take it up another notch so my um my mother-in-law she was a community activist had an african-centered school and everything um and she died that year she died on her birthday on may the 8th i'm sorry march the 8th and ethan i was sitting here in the dining room like where i'm sitting at right now and this is what i heard i heard next I just heard these words and I'm sitting up in in this house by myself next. And then the next thing I heard was gone, Shamayim, gone. That's my first name, Shamayim, gone, Shamayim, gone, Mm -hmm. like that. You know how somebody just kind of like gone, like a elder, like gone, you know, like that. I'm like, okay. And I just heard that, man. And after that, I made my, uh, I just went on here and said, I'm just been, I'm just getting ready to do it. I'm just getting ready to do it real hard. Um, you know, I don't know how it's going to uh, look. I don't know where I'm even get the money from everything. That was never, that was never a, the money and all of that stuff. That is 
not the first thing. I'm like, I'm just like, okay, how am I going to do this? I'm just looking at, and it's just, to me, one bite at a time. That's how it was. So I just did the thing. I figured everything else will follow. I think it's really interesting. I've had similar experiences. I think a lot of people can, where there's an idea kind of bubbling in your mind, whether it's over months or years or weeks. And then it's amazing how one little thing, it's like the straw that breaks the camel's back, but like in a good way. Finally, something happens where it just pushes you over the edge. And it's like, I got to do this. I've, I, it's, there's no more waiting. This is, the, this is the final sign. And that's, yeah, thank you for sharing that. I find that very interesting. It's amazing. I really think that, little moments can make a huge impact. And that's why I think it's always, it's always good to have like having these conversations on the podcast. You never know who it's going to reach, um, taking action to just having conversations with someone you might not necessarily have can totally change the trajectory of yours and their life. But, um, yeah, that's really, that's really cool. So, so back on the, um, the actual logistics of the village, what are like the main areas you're focusing on now and what are like the main community centers that you want to build in the future? So right now, uh, just to let you know that the, the village consists of one city block and it's the downtown, um, what I'm considering the downtown. Right now, what we're working on is uh, the homework house in which I just received the certificate of occupancy yesterday. The actual paper paper, it was emailed to me. Awesome. Yes. That was five years of building on that um, uh, 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 project. Uh, we also have the STEM lab, the science, technology, engineering, and mathematics space. It is off the grid. Uh, it is heated and cooled by solar. We have the Goddess Marketplace and the wine and tea shop, which are retail um, uh, spaces that um, are here in the village for the folks in the community uh, to enjoy. And those have been converted uh, from shipping containers, and those are ran by solar as well. Uh, we also have Jacoby Rob Park, which we have an amphitheater there right now, um, where we have bands and all of that that comes. Our newest addition, one of our newest additions is the My Three Sons basketball court. I don't know if you've been seeing lately, but we installed that last year with the Generator Z grant. And so it's a basketball court. And that was one of the plans that we had a basketball court, tennis, and also a playground. So right now, so far, we have the basketball court. And we have one of the freshest basketball courts in the city, according to these uh, young men. They are like, they was like, Mama, they, they was like, shoot. They said, Mama, shoot, you cold for getting this. Um, They said, you got one of the best ones. That's what they told me. <laughs> <laughs> they told me even they said, that's hard. <laughs> yeah, well, so we got awesome. that going on. We also have five uh, solar streetlights, six solar streetlights. Five of them with Wi-Fi capabilities. We were featured on a, actually a today's show about our um, lights because our lights was repossessed, unfortunately, in 2000 and, um, 2011. And so Avalon Street is the very first relit block. So we got, uh, you know, we got that going on. We got some other houses that uh, the Go Back Project and the uh, Avalon Village Healing House in which we're putting a new roof on and we're just renovating those a little bit at a time and stuff. So that's, those are some of the things that we actually got going on. The, oh, and then we were on the Ellen Show, you know, and then we got the Village Hall. So what we do out of there, we have a, a organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a collective called uh, the the Highland Park Community Crisis Coalition. And so they're there, but we serve the people. They need food, if they need resources on how to get, uh, uh, you know, certain resources to get things paid for and just clothing. There's, uh, we use that house that Ellen uh, donated off the Ellen Show for that. So that's our village hall. 
uh, office, basically. Yeah. What's What's interesting is the way we actually got connected is because I know the person who built the streetlights oh. for the village. So I, I I know the man. I think he's the manufacturer of the, of the lights. And I then I saw what you were doing, and I'm like, oh, I gotta talk to her. Like she's the one actually. Solitonic. Yeah, yeah. I know the guy. I I had spoken to one of his friends. He said talk to them, and I was researching the projects. You're like one of his case studies on his website. So I'm like, oh, I gotta talk to her. Yeah. Like she's doing something really cool, and I'm I'm glad I did. Um, um, what what made you decide to take like the eco village focus? Why not just build like a, a traditional village? And yeah, so what what is it when you say when you say eco village? What do you mean by that? So what I mean by is just basically just taking an initiative to begin transforming our spaces um, into more uh, environmentally uh, healthy spaces, um, and also because this is a city that was strapped. It was, a, it was a couple of reasons. And because there's not a lot of money to put streetlights and everything, I was thinking long term. So I figured, look, we need some, something in here that we don't have to keep creating money or a bill and to keep us, you know, being deeper in the hole. But yet we can have the protection and the security of having streetlights. And that was, you know, those are the, some of the reasons why the retail space, you buy a shipping container, you outfit it. And then you have your business in there, you know, you're paying uh, taxes on the vacant lot and also it's mobile. So it's not really a business that's on the grid. So to me, I just wanted to, for us to make the best choices so that we wouldn't be creating uh, 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 bills and, and things. And it's already kind of tough around here. That was my thought too. one of my major uh, of reasons, like, okay. So we can't, we got to be able to do this differently, more frugal, more economic, but it can still uh, uh, provide the people with uh, the things that we want. So it didn't have to look a certain way. So, you know, we don't, we didn't, we don't want a person just like um, the uh, homework house. It's ran by the geothermal heating and cooling. We're building a school car. Every child is a genius across the street and we're using geothermal heating and cooling in that, uh, that uh, structure as well. And so that was my idea. Didn't want to create more um, uh, 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 bills and, uh, uh, you know, things that would just keep hold us down even more. And just to be able to be a little bit more uh, financially, um, uh, be able to support ourselves, even business people. We showed them how you can put a business in a box. I do a, a workshop called Thinking Inside the Box. And basically it's creating a shipping container business. You can put one in your own backyard and have your business. You really can. And it could look cute and everything. A little awning, just like the Goddess Marketplace. We have a little awning over it and everything. So it looks like a shop. You can still have that. And, 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 and you can have those things. You can have really what you want. It's just a matter of what it is you're willing to do um, uh, for it and how. And it doesn't have to look like everybody else's it just doesn't long as you're really satisfied um with it like this block it doesn't look like everybody else's block but guess what it has the things that we need and the very first structure that we put over here ethan was the school because at any town that you come to well, you're going to have that people want to raise their children somewhere you want to okay what are the children doing it's just almost crazy to even that's why not having a high school is just that's unacceptable to me so basically, I'm building a village. What I'm going to do, build party spots and have concerts or whatever and not have anything for the children. So that's why the homework house was the very first entity to be here, uh, you know, to be concentrated on. 
to here in the homework house. Where are we going to nurture and keep the children safe? Because they're our future. They're the ones that's going to be holding the legacies and everything. We got to take care of them as well as the elders too. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm one like I'm wondering where 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 did you get all this information from? How to install geothermal? How to like the shipping container idea? Where did where did the, were you just doing research online or? or? No, no. I, well. Well, I was always just looking for things to do things differently. And I had heard about, you know, like, hey, we could build some stuff with shipping containers. This box is only $1,500 and we could outfit it. And whoa, we could just do this. To me, it just made dollars and cents to really do it that way. You know, um, this brick and mortar and people get me saying there's like $2,000. I knew that I couldn't afford that. So I had to do things in a way that I know that I could. And also I knew that people that wanted to have business that are living in these conditions in the city, they needed to basically see how you can just Mm -hmm. start something with nothing almost, because that's what it was. That's what it is. in a lot of spaces around here is like nothing, you know? And to me, that was just the easiest way. And then also I have um, some activist friends here in Highland Park, and they are civil engineers and everything. So this is what we were like, okay, we we doing everything, green infrastructure, whatever it is. Uh-huh. And my thing is, is that I knew that that's what we needed. You know, of course, I'm not savvy in none of that, you know, the geothermal heating, cooling or anything. But I knew that that is uh, something that uh, to me, long term would save um, us uh, uh, as it relates to finance, financially, economically, as well as um being more earth friendly, I guess. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And when when you're talking about bills, you're saying that would be asking the city for money to create things. Is that right? Uh, for bills, no. I'm I'm saying that for instance, when we got solar, we have solar. That means that we won't have our electric bill, won't energy bills. Oh, energy yeah. bills. Gas oh, bills. okay. We don't even have gas because okay. we got geothermal heating and cooling. That's not even ran by gas. Period. We're the very first geothermal heating and cooling building here in Highland Park. The very, very first one, you know, to be able to show people that we can actually have mm-hmm. this. There's other places that got it, Ethan, and I know that. But it just was time for us to be able to see that we can actually uh, do this and we don't have to wait on anybody else to bring this. If we just come together, raise the money the way that we can, you know, uh, uh, and, and just do the thing. That's yeah. it, you know? Yeah. Well, you're clearly setting the stage for something big, I think. And I think that based on the following that you've gotten, you could probably see that. Do you want to speak a bit to how you've used tools like YouTube or Instagram or or specifically Kickstarter to bolster support for your community and get more people to kind of help? Yeah. So that's what we started off when I decided, like I said, that day in March, I'm like, I'm getting ready to really do this. We uh, did a Kickstarter and we started a Kickstarter campaign. The goal was 241000 and we ended up raising two hundred forty-three six ninety-one in thirty days. We did that, and Incredible. we did that with the help of. Um, I'm gonna tell you how it just really, really popped off when you when you talk about media. My uh, my uh, PR uh, coordinator, her name is mm-hmm. Robin Schwartz, and uh, you've been communicating back with. Well, she did seventeen years with Fox Two, and you know Indeed. she got all of this, these these uh, Emmys or whatever, you know. So she's just. But she was, uh, 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 we, we just had a regular campaign going on, just trying to get it. And so it just wasn't, we needed some oomph to it. I ended up meeting her and introduced her. Justin, <laughs> one of the guys on our team, 
she tweeted, introduced it to her, and she tweeted back and everything. We met at a coffee shop, all of us, and so we can talk to her about um, what was going on so we could add, add her to the team and see if she fit and everything. And I didn't even get the conversation about the village and what I was doing or anything, Ethan. I wasn't even finished. She had already called this local reporter. His name was Charlie LaDuff. And Charlie LaDuff came and she said, Charlie, do you know about um, Mommy Shoe? She's over here doing this and that. She said, this is incredible. You mean you're over here just cleaning up this block? I was like, yeah, you know. <laughs> and then she um she called him and Charlie LaDuff, and if you look at all the interviews and stuff, it was that very first one where I was holding that photo up. That was the report from Charlie LaDuff. And ever since then, mm-hmm. Ethan, it has been, you know, on a roll from then. And then people were, uh, you know, just the local news and uh, beyond that. So basically we do, we use that. We use Twitter. We use, uh, what is it, Instagram. We use it. Actually, I just got two uh, 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 young, uh, what is it, media specialists, you know. And so we're doing some some really cool uh, TikTok nice. stuff. We're doing some reels and everything. And so that right there is actually another level. And it's kind of fun you know, to do, you know, doing that. So we're just, we just started exploring that. I'll say this, the following, the the numbers and just, you know, just the social media numbers, the likes or whatever, all of that was organic. It was nothing boosted, anything. That was years of organic. And that's the way that I like it, Ethan. I like it like that. I like that slow grow of something. To me, the foundation is, is, is there. It's getting sturdy. You know, you ain't got to do it. Then you got, you know, you got them real ones coming, you know, the, Hey, it's a, you know, like something that's really, really been following since day one that's included in like, I think we got 4,000 uh, people where that's just, but what I'm saying is that I like that slow movie. It builds. I like that, that consistent um, look. And then people to me, they just love it because they love it, you know, not because you trying to boost it or anything mm-hmm. like that. And so so, but now right. we just actually use it. So now it's like at the point now I'm just ready to have some fun uh, uh, with it being a, a, a woman developer here. You know, we got a lot of little spins. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Ethan, I mean, look, the, a woman, uh, a, what is it? Property development mogul over here. <laughs> Hell yeah. There, there you go. Yeah. Well, you're well, doing more than, I think a lot of those guys, there's no doubt that providing shelter is really great and meaningful work, but I think a lot of those guys are really in it for the money. But I love, and this is why I wanted to talk to you, I love that it comes from the heart, a deep connection to your community and, and a want desire to remove blight from an area that didn't previously have it because you grew up there and it was an amazing community and you just want to bring that back even better mm-hmm. than, than when you were a kid, which I think is awesome. And I'm, I'm totally with you there on the long-term gratification. I think there's nothing more fulfilling than working for something for a very long time and seeing it slowly coalesce. That's really the the signs of a, a truly successful uh, entrepreneur is really someone who's committed to yeah. something for the long term and happy to watch it slowly grow over time. I, I'm wondering why, why you think, as far as I could tell, it seems like you had um, financial support from people all around the U.S. after your, your project kind of became very popular. So with like so much else going on in the world uh, at the time, why do you think that so many people were interested enough to like donate to your cause? I think because they probably see their neighborhoods blighted and they see that and they can identify and, and that, you know, I'm just a regular old person or whatever, just trying to sit up here and make my block good. Seriously. I just really think it's like that. Like, wow. Okay. Then let me throw a hundred dollars or whatever to that. Yes. 
you know, it's some people that want to see us live beautifully in neighborhoods yeah. and have a good time and be healthy and safe. It is some people who genuinely want that. And I just think that the people that have donated, like you said, all over the world, you know, uh, from, you know, just from the Kickstarter and just that donate um, that, and then sometimes, and that's not even consistent. It's just, it just comes when it comes. Um, a lot of the building comes from grants uh, mm-hmm. that we receive. Any grant that I feel that um, goes with what it is that we're doing, you know, I fill it out. You know, uh, you know, definitely, you know, it ain't nothing to get rich by for sure, <laughs> you know. But that's what I do, and 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 so, and then another thing is, is that Ethan, I don't worry real hard about that. I just enjoy doing the thing. I enjoy doing it, and I just feel that. Um, the needs will be met. I think that things will align. You know, I took the choice. I made the choice, okay, to go ahead and, um, you know, do this. And I've certainly made sacrifices. Yeah. Well, I think it's simple as people buy things because it makes them feel good. They align with your mission and your energy, which of course I do as well. Talking to you, it's it's fun. You just you're full of energy and it's exciting and you have this vision and it's un, it's undeniable once people can really see it. And I think someone someone sees that they're like, I love that. I want to support that. And they donate because they they feel good about themselves. It's not necessarily about your specific neighborhood. It's about their idea of what they think the world should be like. Uh, as my and you know what else too i want to add to that too like you said that excitement too but it's almost like when i don't i don't even know like where every all the pieces are going to connect i'm just doing it with whatever i have that comes in front of me and it's almost like some people that it's like the same thought with them like damn wonder if i donated this or whatever how far it would take her i have people that's like wonder if i did this boom it's like almost like they look like you know chugging along you know like man and just get on it like that it is supporters like that as well basically let me see or whatever what you can do you know and i love those opportunities because i'm able to uh unleash everything that is the whole vision for everything it's just a it's just a wonderful experience just being able to just go ahead and just produce it and just to make it happen and to have um the neighborhood children folk that are coming together that are really loving what we do come and come help how can we create more community leaders like you? What's your formula? What's your secret? How do we make more mama shoes? We need, we need, we need mamas everywhere. So here's three things that I always uh, say. One of the things is, is that um, basically have no fear. That's off rip. You cannot be no punk coming in nothing like this or anything that you feel of value. You're going to have to go ahead and do it straight up if you're really, really serious. Another thing is, is that I don't have a plan B. I have plan A's and that's it. You know, I don't, I don't really, I don't even, I don't be sitting up here like, man, what if this don't happen? What if, man, you sitting up there just defeating yourself, period. Now, I'm not saying that, A, you may need to make some amendments, but you need to stay on that. If that thing is the thing that you want to do, stay on it. You know, you may have to move and groove and the stuff that happens. And as we see, it's stuff that has happened in my life, you know, but I'm like, nah, I'm staying on it. I'm still the village. I'm this is still what I'm doing and working. Boom. You have might have to sit down for a minute because you may have had something that's just done knocked you out for a minute, but you still have it um in there. You still in you, you still want to do it. And then the last thing is never think that you need the money to do a thing. I, I just I, I never you know, I didn't I mean I never I, I know that it costs to do things and everything, but that's not my initial thought. 
do the thing, even if it's only two people. Seriously, three people. But my thing is, is to do a thing consistently. You got to keep doing this so people, you can see and for yourself too, so you can keep going. That is the thing, because that's the thing that's for real. You keep, if you keep moving through it, you know, that's the thing. And then guess what? Everything else or whatever will come right behind it. You'll get what you need. It's just certain tests. There's certain things that you got to uh, uh, go through and, um, and realize and um, experience and all of that. And it's just, a, that's why, that's why it's just such a journey. So you just might as well go ahead and have a good time with it, you know? I mean, I think that's a good motto to follow in life. And I have to say you, like I talk to entrepreneurs and innovators all the time. You exude all these qualities of like a successful entrepreneur. It's just, I see it as artists are the same way. It's just about creating something, having passion behind it, never giving it up, um, having no fear. I mean, we were just talking on the episode before this about how the greatest things in life are just on the other side of fear. And I think that's so obviously the case. And it's just, you just need to get through that first layer, I think is the hardest one, that first thing you're afraid of, whatever it is. You, like, that's why they say when you're trying to go off and like become better, whatever the thing they say, what are you most afraid of? Go do that first. And then you'll be on like the yeah. right path. Um, yep. Cool. And even moving, and even moving um, be, beyond the fear, and when, when, and I think that you know this, and 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 through my interviews, is that that my, losing my kids to me, and probably to any parent or whatever, is the worst thing in life, right? So it's like, what is what what happens when the worst thing in life happens? Yes, it's like every single thing else or whatever. It just it ain't shit. It ain't. You just blew, breathe. No, seriously, I really do feel like like. Oh, okay then. I mean, because people are sweating small stuff, and 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 I and I personally am living with grief every single day and still doing this, and and other people do, but we're talking about this experience, and so that's always heavy on your mind. It's still just always there. So I'm trugging along too, Ethan, with those kind of things too, thinking that that right there is uh, uh, still in my heart and everything very deeply. And still able to go ahead and move towards it. So I know that this is a wonderful thing, you know, and, and it's bigger than me, you know, and it's bigger than them. Thank you so much for saying that. I think that's really relevant. Um, could you maybe talk a little bit more about that is, is of how helping the community is helping you to heal yourself and kind of get through those those traumatic experiences that you've had? Yes, I think that doing this, especially like when my uh, baby boy got killed and then, like I said, six months. We moved over here. I'm like, wow, okay. That right there, I built a park in his name. Those things are healing. It's helping me to basically keep those children alive. I'm still raising them, basically. The energy is still there. I'm still a mom. It's just that, to them, it's just that I'm raising them in the heavens. And then it was a long time. And then my other boy, when my other boy got killed a year ago, man, you know, I was like, the, the womb and everything was, still there and everything but it was still a long time with the baby and so it's like okay you know it, it wasn't as intense and so a year ago and stuff it just it just seemed like for, for actually really it felt like a square one thing again you know still that other one linger but it's like back to the the the, the rawness of um everything and but the thing about it is though ethan is that i knew what would help me to get through it I knew exactly what to do, you know what I said, because of that experience, unfortunately, with my first boy, I, I knew how intense, I know how intense this is going to be, 
It's going to be about another four years of when it's like real hard on me. I know this already because I, you know, I did that. So now it's like, okay. And it's just going through it. And now it's just still healing. Now it's just, it's just, it's just all a healing process. So everything that I do, it does help me to, uh, it soothes my, my, uh, my, uh, my wounds and stuff. It does. And, and I'm happy to do it. And I'm able to keep them alive because they will not be forgotten. Those are my kids. Can you imagine not like how, how do I even tuck them away? Like not even think or create in their names anymore. Like the basketball courts is called my three sons. I had a stepson that was killed too at 34. I put all my boys' faces on there. I got a beautiful mural with their faces on there. I didn't know that. And I called it the My Three Sons Basketball Court. It has their year that they were born, the year that they died. And um, it's just so beautiful. And it's online or whatever, too. And the guys from the neighborhood, which is my children's my um, my children's friends that he left behind. They're loving it, you said. That's yes. like their favorite part of town. It's the and most beautiful part of town. Healing, and we all are healing from that. We had to create something. I need, you know. They needed to be over there. You know, they were over the block all the time when he was here anyway. And so that right there, just it just helps us all. They built a shrine for Chin. They built a, um, a gazebo and we have a garden. They go up under there, sit and chill with their friends and stuff. That's their space. So here, the Avalon Village is a healing space for everybody. And it's a space where a lot of lives were lost of young men. And so... It got, we got to heal from it. And one of the things we started with was healing mm-hmm. the grounds uh, uh, of it when we moved over here. Um, and thank you so much for doing that. Mama Shu, I have immense respect for everything you're doing for your community and for the world for coming on and, and sharing your perspective. It's I find it really, um, really valuable. So thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Ethan. This was so cool. This was cool meeting with you. You're real cool. I like that. This was easy having a conversation i loved it yeah i loved it too i got one more um final piece of advice for young people who are passionate about building a better world or helping to improve their community what would you say i would just say stay with it stay consistent and stay focused stay with it stay consistent and stay focused and have no fear i'm on board mama shu it's been an absolute pleasure all right ethan peace So if you or anyone else you know is looking to buy or sell a home anywhere in the USA and would like to create thousands of dollars in donations without any cost out of pocket, please visit ccrealty.org today.